0: Hello, this is Andy Kett Patrick. Out on the out on the roads, the byways and the is a bowline. There's an Irish Irish name for little little tiny roads. Boleen. The bowline's anyway. So I'm out. It's uh it's very dark. There's no street lights here, so I've got my got my hives on, got my petzel head touch on, and I'm uh, pushing a pram with a, yet another baby in it, Christ almighty. So It was about two years ago, I think, I did a podcast where I was probably pushing another baby up this very same dark and lonely road. So this is baby number, <laughs> baby number four, so I've got, I've now got um, two full sets of kids, that's uh, that's cool, so this one's called Isla, as I've mentioned I think on the last podcast, all my children have uh, four letter, two syllable names, so it's Ella, Ewan, Noah, Isla, Um i think people who have like one syllable names are usually a bit thick people with three syllable names are usually a bit posh so two syllable names it's kind of hedging, <laughs> hedging your bets you can always like uh shorten it as well lots of things so it could be like l or no or you or <laughs> i'll so Ella was, Ella was telling me not, that I shouldn't call Noah Noah, because people, it's like Noah, Kirkpatrick, he would he'd be like, no, okay, no, so I don't know, it's very hard like thinking up children's names, so yeah, so anyway, so this is Isla, who is now four weeks old, it's kind of weird, it's kind of weird, I'm not going to talk, I'm actually going to talk this evening if uh, if the babies wake up I'm going to talk about some sort of winter climbing kind of stuff so there will there will be some climbing related stuff in this podcast I know it's hard to believe but it's fucking, it's really cold so I thought it might was well, it really cold but it's cold for around these these parts so uh but anyway quick quick uh catch up since the last podcast so yeah, so this baby arrived. It's kind of a, when you have a baby, when a baby's coming, it's kind of sort of terrifying. Like I always tell people like having a baby is a bit like having like a terminal illness. Like there's, <laughs> there's never, it's never a good time. And, <laughs> and, and really it shouldn't really be you know your choice i don't think either i don't believe all, all this kind of contraception stuff and all that kind of malarkey so uh i think I, I think i posted something about how how uh you know like populations were declining and the sperm rate the sperm count had like halved or something since the 1960s or something <laughs> so, so commented, like, oh you don't have any, you don't have that problem anyway. And uh, anyway so um uh I do you have to practice at it don't you? Anyway, so so yeah so Isla came along. So it was kind of you always know that babies are always gonna come in the night time for some reason. There must be a reason, I don't know why. Because that's when all the animals must be out, all the dangerous animals, I'd have thought. Or maybe not, not know. So yeah So like, it's like every night when the baby doesn't come, you kind of like, when you wake up in the morning, it's probably like, again, it's it's probably like dying. You know, you've got some sort of terminal illness and you think you're gonna die, but every night, every morning you wake up and you're not dead. It's like, oh, that's nice. And yeah, so it's a bit like that with the baby, but you know you're gonna die and you know baby's gonna come. So it's just, uh, you know, you're not really enjoying enjoying it that much, you know, because you know it's it's gonna happen. Anyway, so eventually the uh I think Vanessa who she was on had the baby. Vanessa was uh she said, Oh I feel a bit feel a bit weird. This is about like five o'clock. And uh, I was like, oh God, don't milk it woman. and <laughs> so she said feel about like her waters hadn't broken or anything. So I was like put put tea on you know i'm not going to hospital without having my tea anyway so i think i cooked anyway and then maybe she no no she did yeah, she actually cooked for some reason and uh her brother was staying with us just in case ready for action and so the so yeah she was cooking cooking the tea and uh and she also made some cheese twists it's quite good quite good things to make for if you've got kids Made some cheese twists and then uh, took Noah upstairs, got him in the bath, you know, read him his stories, got, <laughs> got his pyjamas on and we always have this ritual where I go always, I always upstairs and say goodnight to him. Anyway, so when I went upstairs, went upstairs to say goodnight, Vanessa just looked very happy. <laughs> she looked like she was in some discomfort. So... She, so I was like, okay, good night, good night, you know, blah blah blah, and she's like, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. Anyway, so, um, so she, anyway, so she got him to bed, and she's like, oh god, I've got, I've definitely got contractions, definitely got contractions. Like, I know, I know, I think it's when your contractions are every five minutes, uh, you know, five minutes apart, you're supposed to go to, go to hospital. I seem to remember. Anyway, she was like, oh god, oh god, the baby's coming, baby's coming. So it's was like. Uh, don't panic don't panic quick put some water on you know boil some towels or something anyway so so then she's like no we need to go to hospital we need to go right now so so her brother's like trying to be all cool and calm and collected anyway so we're like you know give you a ring tell you what's gonna what's happening because he has to suddenly look after this two-year-old and he's you know he's a barrister you know well it's not good anyway so she uh we get in the car and i'm trying to drive you know on speed limit and try to be cool but her, by then her um the waters were like two two minutes and 15 seconds or whatever uh, her contractions i kept calling it the contraptions for some reason they were contractions so it was pretty oh, this bloody happy dog anyway the uh this dog like wakes up this dog wakes up this baby i'm gonna be furious actually two there's actually two points on this circuit where the bit like both this baby and Noah always wake up at the same time I don't know if it's haunted but it's exactly the same point Like it it must be like some sort of electricity pylon or something there's a place up here where someone was uh, a priest was killed uh, during the the uh civil war um maybe it's a ghost i don't really know anyway yeah so we managed to get to the hospital baby hasn't come but it's kind of uh get out the car it's a bit of a take 10 take 10 paces and you have to you have to like stop and let it let the the pain subside have you ever had to, have you ever wanted to have a really a shit really badly and you left it too late I reckon it must be like that. It's like, oh my God. You know, so, um, anyway, so we, we, get, we get into this hospital and it's like, like an island, they have a weird system. It's like a shit version of the NHS, which is shit anyway. It's like shit, it's a, it's a shit, it's like a, I used to have this waterproof jacket that wasn't, it wasn't breathable, but it wasn't waterproof either. Um, Like the health system in Ireland is a bit like that. Like it's, It's worse than the NHS, but we have to pay for it. It's that that kind of deal. Anyway, so everything was closed up and there's, like, some cleaner going, like, you know, go around the back, go around the back. Anyway, so you have to go around the back and find this bloody door where there's no, you know, there's there's, there's no way of knowing how to. There's bells everywhere. You're pressing all these buttons. Like, let me in. My wife's having a baby. Anyway, so eventually some nurse wanders up and, like, from walk, walk, walk into the hospital she lets us in no signage whatsoever to find out you just need a massive sign going having a baby go this way having a heart attack go, <laughs> go this way so um uh if there's nothing really wrong with you turn around so anyway so we're we uh anyway we're just wandering around in the wrong place but eventually eventually get get in and uh she's like they're like oh, how far are your, your contractions she's like about t- about two minutes now and like all oh, right okay well come and come and sit down so we get, get into this room and a water's water's break like in the room so it's like there's like water everywhere and everyone's like slipping in their crocs and stuff it was like very funny it wasn't funny for Vanessa because by now she was too late to have any you know put on a tens machine or uh have any kind of like pain relief basically the baby was coming so so yeah I don't know if you've ever been been to a bath but it it's probably one of the most terrifying experiences like it would be it'd probably be more be more I don't know maybe it wouldn't be more terrifying if it was you having the baby but there's this person you love, with this thing inside them trying to get out. That you also, I don't know if you. Well, you guess. I guess you do. You love it. I don't know you, but you definitely. You know, you definitely don't want it to die. You know, you. You know, you've almost um, put down like a down payment. That you're gonna love it. <laughs> you know, you know what it's gonna mean. So, uh, you know this. Oh, it's just like you really. You realize how it really is like a you really are on a knife edge if this baby kind of <laughs> lives or dies. You know, probably not less so these days because the doctor can rush in and do his stuff. But yeah, really, really, really terrifying. You'll feel like you're going to cry and oh God, it's like, you know, what do you do? What do you do? Anyway, by now, Vanessa was like, you know, <laughs> give me something, give me anything. Like, Cut it out of me and all this kind of stuff, and you know, it's like, oh, I do all, this. oh God, you know, like, you know. I know you watched people doing like weightlifting. You know, he's like tensing when they're when they're doing it. It's a bit like that when you're just like, come on, push, push, push. And it was, yeah, it was, it was kind of weird. You suddenly get to this. You can see, probably more so when someone doesn't have any pain relief, because really, once you start having like pain relief, you start losing. Your ability to do, to do what's necessary. Really, you know, you really need to be fully in control of your, of your body. Anyway, but eventually, you just sort of could see that Vanessa went into this kind of uh, space. You know, and this like into a place where the pain didn't really, you know, it was, you know, it didn't really mean anything. And uh, the midwife's like, "Come on, come on! It's going to be out. It's going to be out in the next five minutes." And you know, it's like really, really, <laughs> There's really surreal. Bits where, like, oh, the, the head's poking out. Like you can feel the head. It's like, oh, "I'm all right, I'm all right, thanks." And uh, anyway, and all of a sudden, it's like, baby, this baby like plops out. And uh, when a baby comes out. It really looks like it's dead. It looks like it's this kind of like grey, misshapen, squished sort of thing, really. And you you know, like in the first time you see a baby, you think it must have died. It's like really horrible, and then slowly it starts kind of coming coming to life and starts uh you know starts turning sort of white, and then it starts turning pink, and then and then suddenly it starts crying, and and it kind of—it's amazing how it kind of basically like latches on, so like breast—that's breastfeeding, like almost like immediately. It's an absolute marvel. Anyway, so all this—all this took part. Took less than an hour for the baby to come, which is. my uh, god, oh god, the baby's awake. Come on, go back to sleep. Shh. So the. Uh, I think the big must think I'm talking to it. <laughs> it's also it's also about like one degree. So it's uh, quite cold. It's good for your skin though. I met some old <laughs> I met some old uh guy out here. Um like the currans were like a family and they had, they had 16 kids so the mother had 16 children 12 boys and uh, four girls <laughs> go back to sleep <laughs> oh, i think i have to keep, i think i have to finish this podcast Sorry, I'm going to go into radio silence. Right, back again on the podcast. It's probably, I probably recorded the first part of that podcast, of this podcast about, I think it was two months ago. So there's been, been a bit of a gap. I did try to, I did try to carry on earlier on, but I had a call. So the, I did a podcast and it sounded terrible. So um, anyway, so I'm, I'm back again. Sorry for the, the long, long delay. Uh, i was out i was out this morning actually pushing the pushing the pram and the weather was so bad uh i had to put a I put like a 20 kilo um plate like from a from you know weightlifting plate into the buggy so the buggy wouldn't fly away in the wind it was so bad like sometimes i'm like sometimes i'm laid in bed in the in the night and the, and the weather's the weather's so bad it's like it's almost like it's almost like a, a joke it's like you've got to be You got to be joking! Like this is this is insane! Like the, the rain like just being crazy. So uh, I've been uh, (laughs) I've been going around for last last month. I bought one of those picky up things. So I've been going around. I've been like picking up litter as I've been pushing this, this this pram around. I'm basically doing about I'm probably doing three to four hours a day pushing this pram around, which is kind of getting in the way of doing anything else, and. So, I've been picking up this, picking up bottles and picking up. You begin, I, I've probably mentioned this in other podcasts, but the way, last time I did this was like was probably two years ago, well, a year and a bit ago. Is you go around and you start getting the big things, like the big bottles and the bottles and the cans out of hedgerows. And then you end up picking up, you know, it gets smaller and smaller, smaller, smaller and smaller. Then and you, then you start having to like seek it out and like go into bushes and find the the rubbish and stuff. And this is on, this is basically on like a 10 kilometer kind of circuit so there's quite a lot of room and then it gets smaller and smaller and smaller till you're picking up like you know like bits of litter like you know i was i I was always intrigued when you saw people like litter picking uh you know like for their job and how they'd be like picking up the most tiniest thing like a you know a cigarette butt or something but it is uh you know it's kind of it's kind of uh, interesting but I ended, i've been told i can't do it for a while because i've basically collected so much rubbish that I've picked up a whole um, a whole thing, of like a whole wheelie bin full of rubbish, and we haven't got any room for our rubbish now. Um, so, yeah. Um, but then today, because the weather was so bad, when I got home today, the uh, the bin had blown over and all the fucking rubbish had gone everywhere <laughs> in our garden. So I was like, I was like cursing. It's like, fucking, I hate you, God. You know, anyway, it's just, it's just it must be some kind of test you know it's like anyway, so yeah so, um um uh have i got any 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 news yeah the the child is still still with us, and everything else that's good, um uh yeah so i should i should can hear the wind i should uh i should carry i should carry on i think i i think I did was actually I wanted to have a sh- I wanted to have a shout out. It's probably it's probably it's probably late now because it's it probably was a good shout out like a, a month ago, um, to Dave McLeod because uh, uh, Dave McLeod is uh, uh, well a month ago he sort of went down this rabbit hole where he was um, talking about eating beef. Like you know what I mean, his follows Dave McLeod? But I, I highly recommend following Dave McLeod because he's got some um, you know his he's, uh, he's he's having uh he's basically going down the like the eating meat thing uh because but Dave, david did like a, de- I think he did a degree in sports science and now he's done a degree in like sports nut- oh no i done like a, a master's in sports nutrition or something and so he's really completely gone into the eating meat kind of thing and so that's kind of that's kind of now him he's become adjacent to the you know, like uh uh you know, cows are destroying the planet, kind of uh kind of thing. So so he's um but he's being kind of brave. Like it's basically all based on data. Uh like if you base things on data then you're you're generally you know, you sh well, you, ideally you should be okay, but like you know, like you could you know, it's, but it doesn't really apply in this in this day and age. Like if you got the you know if you say, if you can show that the the temperature of the earth hasn't increased for eight years or something, that, that's just not you know you're obviously even the, you're like, like Dave's obviously being paid by big meat or something you know it's like in their in their uh, you know anyway but but yeah it's quite it's been quite brave I'm sure he's like pissed off a load of people because it's you know climbers are the worst kind of people for believing all this uh, all this stuff because most of them like live in a city they think that you know they just don't know where where anything comes from so. So yeah, why can't we? You know, we need to just ban ban all fossil fuels and ban all meat and just live on, you know, I don't know what I don't know what you're gonna live on, but you know. But so so Dave, you know, kudos to Dave. But I think it's one of those, I think it's one of those things where you start, you focus on one thing that you think, uh, you know, like the the people are are um, uh, what what do you call it? Uh, <laughs> they're misled basically, they're kind of fooled by things, you know. That The trust the people they trust to tell them what they should think, you know, they're, they're basically abusing the trust. So, Dave's actually, you know, saying things that could really benefit people's health and everything else. But, but the probably the biggest thing is going to benefit your health, is just realizing like a lot of the stuff we think is just total bullshit. So, um, so well done to, to Dave. But what, what what generally happens is when you start pulling on one thread the whole thing basically starts pulling apart. So that's that's kind of a, uh, you know so it'd be interesting if Dave's if Dave's going down that thing. There was I've been listening to for some reason I was listening I listened to this thing. It was about for some reason I was like a, a detransitioning period of listening to stuff. but so there was someone anyway someone talked about detransitioning I had to turn it off it was too di- too distressing. But uh I was this Graham Lynham who wrote Father Ted and the IT crowd and stuff. Like he basically um was like a normy person and then he sort of got really against the whole the whole like transitioning children kind of things um and uh and but he he so he basically has destroyed his life over it like he's lost his marriage and he's got no work and you know it's pretty it's pretty depressing you know seeing and a lot of the things he was You know, upset about and was arguing against, uh, and now becoming sort of like mainstreamed. Really, there's there's a lot of people who are trying to transition kids who are now, you know, you know, they're they're not allowed to do it because they've realised how how bad it is. You know, um, you basically like uh, um, your man, your uh, uh, Turin and Alan Turin. You know, basically, you know, he was kind of being transitioned by the state by. By chemically castrating him, and a lot of the same things are kind of happening now to to young people. Um, but with with the state, well, again, we still we're still with the state doing it. Anyway, so it's, but yeah, but, he, but even when you listen to Graham Lineham, it's interesting because you can hear that when he's talking, he he's kind of compartmentalized his uh, um, what would he call it Heter, heterodox sort of thinking about one thing, but he's really you know he's very traditional in lots of other things so it's so yeah. It's, it's a i'm not saying i'm not saying I'm someone who who knows what the hell's going on, but it is a yeah you you kind of uh i suppose you're like on a like it's like a raft you've got a raft of things that you're holding on to and you're trying to keep from drowning you know you've got these things that you think are are buoyant and are keeping you alive, but what you don't realize is like most of them are actually. Made out of like lead or something, and that's what's that's you can probably swim without them, you know. But you're holding on to them and they're dragging you down, so you know, you've got what you've got is is. you think one of them that's the one I need to get rid of, but really, you probably need to get rid of all all these things, so so yeah, anyway. But so, uh, so yeah, so um, I don't know why I, was, why I was saying that, I probably had a reason, um, doesn't matter, so but anyway, so I should let's let's get down to the let's get down to some. Some proper podcasty kind of things, so I, I've had a, I had a, like a few because it was the winter time. It's coming up to winter. People going winter climbing and stuff. I had a few questions to do with like winter climbing, and is the wind, is the winter over now? I don't know. Probably when is this? It? Uh, no, it's probably not over yet. So I, 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 would, I thought I'd just do like a, a, a quick um, rundown of some sort of thoughts on like wintery wintery climbing kind of things (laughs) because my son is I have to my son's going to wake up in a minute I'm gonna have to go and get him so oh god anyway so uh um do you know having kids it's a bit like like I always tell people it's like having a it's like having a terminal illness is you know it's not something you should really you know think (laughs) think too much about you just it's just let it just happen and then it's but they're very similar two things um uh, anyway, so yeah, so when So I, th- I, th- I thought I'll, I'll have a, I'll have a quick rundown of some, some random thoughts off my head that will just about uh, winter climbing. But the, I've, this is not, as usual, this is not scripted. This is just me sat here, let's thinking, let's thinking about them. Um, so we'll start when you, when you're going through. I'll, I'll talk about kit type stuff and also like technical kind of stuff. Like I, I, although I haven't, I haven't actually touched any snow for a long time or any ice, probably since like two thousand nineteen. Uh I have in the past I have done quite a lot of that kind of stuff, like alpine climbing, mixed climbing, ice climbing, all the, all those all those climbing type things. So uh unlike, unlike rock climbing, which you know, if you don't do it for like a week you're shit. Uh ice climbing and mixed climbing, it's not really like that. So a lot of it is like technique and um a lot of it's in your head really. So it's so like climbing a like climbing a grade 6 like ice route is probably like doing like a hard VS or something and doing like a grade 8 route is probably like doing like an E3 or something so e one <laughs> so so there, there there it's not it's not like if you don't do it you can't do it every, you, know, you have to train up again to get to that level so so a lot of it is about um you know sort of, not not to do with like how strong and your stamina and stuff so yeah, so let's start with the uh, we'll, we'll we'll work on like technical technical kit kind of stuff. So if you let's start with the head, like your head. So uh, wear a helmet. That's that's good advice. Most people are going to be wearing a helmet. If you're doing like um, cascade kind of climbing, like if like probably for winter climbing. I can hear a baby crying. That's not that's the, that's a different baby. Uh, that's the one. I'm not, I'm not in charge of that baby. So if you if you're doing technical kind of climbing, no, if you're doing any winter climbing, really you should get like a a hard helmet. You always want a hard helmet in winter. So you want a helmet with a with a hard shell to it. You don't want a polystyrene thin shelled helmet that'll disintegrate. So you don't you don't want a what was it, what what they call now. Um. Anyway, do you know what I mean? You don't want like a poly... You can have a one that's got a hard polycarbonate outer and then a polystyrene inner we don't want one that's got like a very that's basically going to break apart the first time you get hit by a piece of ice or something um and the same applies that if you fall down a thousand meter gully and you've got like a polystyrene helmet the first thing your head strikes is going to disintegrate your helmet and then the second thing your head strikes is going to disintegrate your head so a lot of climbers will will have polystyrene-style helmets because, because they're, that's what you want for rock climbing. Like if you, when your head hits something, when you're rock climbing, your head is more likely to hit something than something hit your head, probably. You know, when you fall, the rope's behind your leg, you whack your head, you know, whatever. You hit the ground, you whack your head. So, but for winter climbing, mountaineering, you really want, like, a hard helmet. And ideally, you want a helmet that's a combination of, like, hard polycarbonate is a polycarbonate plastic outer and polystyrene style inner really so you get the but you get the the best of both wells so you know so if you can do a lot of it wear two helmets. you know get if you're going to do a lot of rock climbing and winter climbing mountaineering then it is actually worth having two helmets um what else about your head um make sure it's always worth having it's always, it's always worth having like you know, you always want like the best head torch you can have. Don't like don't get something super super lightweight. Uh, you're like being able to see where you are is a massive is a massive advantage. <laughs> so well, sometimes, um, sometimes <laughs> Not having a head torch is probably better. No, but you want you want a good helmet. You've got a good head torch that, that's, that gives you a lot of distance, lasts a long time. Got ba- you know batteries batteries charged, and um, and instead of carrying a second battery, like more like some of them, you can the less and less ones now. Where you'd have a second battery. Uh, just carry a second head torch, uh, like a smaller head torch that you can use when the other ones, you know, are not working anymore or you've dropped it. Like it's very easy for a, to lose a head torch winter climbing. Uh, like the this can get knocked off by the snow or whatever. Um, uh, always put your head torch on before before it gets dark. That's good advice. Like you know, some people would. Like you don't want to climb with it on your helmet for most things, uh, because it just gets in the way of everything. It'll it scratches on the rock, and you can get slings stuff caught on it. So, but always always put it on. You know, if it's going to get dark at like Harper's Four, like you know, if you Harper's Three, like put it on so you don't. You know, because it's always going to get dark. you're right on the crooks or something or you're saying you can't you can't your rucksacks down below and you can't it's very hard to build a bela in the dark in the winter you know to work out what's where to put your gear and stuff so yeah have your head touch on make sure it's always charged up um uh what else goggles uh you always have goggles but don't put them just save your goggles until you really really need them and you'll probably you'll know when you need them because uh your eyes will be bleeding or something so um Keep your goggles uh, protected. Put them in something soft, and put them in something waterproof, and put them somewhere where they're not going to get broken. And when you put them on, um, when you put them on, put them on and don't take them off. So that's why the goggles are basically no good for for a lot of climbing. Not you, especially not in the UK. They uh, like really you want you want to you, you want to use like if you put, if you ever put your goggles on to get to the route then probably don't go (laughs) because if it's that bad then then don't go probably you know if you've got like a good hood on your jacket and good face protection you should be able to get in you know if the weather's not great you should be able to get there without putting your goggles on but when you're coming back down you know you often it might be you come often coming out in really really bad weather and that's when you want your goggles on so you basically uh clean all the snow off your face any any dampness on your face try and dry your around your around your eyes and then whip your goggles on uh but don't get any snow in them don't get anything in them uh, put them on put this put the strap around the back of your head um ideally put it on put the put it on with everything off your head so then once your goggles on then you can put your hood up like don't put it over the top of everything because every time you want to take your hood off you're going to have to expose your goggles or uh, and then just keep them on until you know until you're down or something because it's the taking of them on and off that basically makes them not work anymore. They get snow in them and they steam up and everything else. And um, but they're, they're you know they're they're the best option, but they're not they're not ideal. Like if you go in skiing, you know, if you're in skiing, you can put your goggles on first thing in the morning and you could probably leave them on apart from going in to have a cup of tea or something. You can leave them on all day and they and they work fine. But we're winter climbing you know you often be really really hot sometimes really really cold uh, you'll steam up so it's you know it's uh, it's they are the tricky things to do to deal with uh what else on your face um uh um, yeah being like, when you're when you're sort of navigating when you're navigating or when you're route finding on a route like it can be it can be quite complicated um that's why head touch is really good. But sometimes turning your head torch off is the best thing as well. Like if you if it's dark and you're coming down or you're going up in the dark, or you're on the route and you can't work out where to go, like sometimes just turning off your head torch for a few, you know for like a you know a few seconds, a few minutes, and let your eyes be able to see. Because the thing, especially in winter, snow is very white and rock is generally black, so you can often see a lot better in the dark than you can see in the light. Like you might in the dark. If you turn your head touch off in the dark, you might actually be ma- able to make out a couloir or you know, or where something splits off, or something. So, so yeah, being take it, t- turn t- turn things on and off for a good idea. Um, I, you, it's good to be kind of aware, uh, like being able to listen as well, because often if you you can listen, you can hear where the wi- Well, yeah, you can hear where the wind's coming from. But also, you can hear like where the wind is blowing over the top of something uh if you're trying to find the way down somewhere you you, the, you you know like you don't want to you want you know if you've got your head like buried in a huge big jacket it can be it can be disorientating to sort of tell where you're going so when it comes to like um your senses like your you basically your heads your head system which is which would include things like your balaclava your you know hat your whatever your your hood on your jacket whatever you really want to have a system which is um very it gives you complete flexibility so you can turn your head look up and down with no kind of restriction um you you don't want to be like turning your head uh, looking into the to the side of your jacket hood you know you want your hood to be moving around you like the worst thing you can get is where you're every time you look up and down, often your balaclava, if you've got a balaclava on, can be like start creeping and creeping. So your balaclava ends up keep coming comes down over your eyes, which is extremely annoying. When, it, when you know on day five of this happening, so you know sometimes you're better wearing having a jacket like an like a an inner hood and an outer hood. Like your outer hood is your storm hood, which is the the hood on your jacket your shell jacket or your belay jacket, um and your inner hood is the hood that would be on, you know, like Rab Vaporise, Buffalo, Tech Light, you know, that kind of thing. Where where it's a shell, like a breathable pertex type material, like a lined like poly 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 uh, thingy, you um you know, you've got like a brushed polyester kind of material. And you wear that. So that's like covering that's covering most of your most of your your head, but your face is exposed. But it kind of fits inside your underneath your helmet, and it means you can move your head around, and you actually you still got some you still got very good protection on your head because it's windproof. Whereas a balaclava, like even like a power stretch balaclava, is like a you know really useful piece of kit. But it but the wind does go right through it, and it does absorb um, snow, and it will and wet out because it's warm. Where the the hood of a of a you know like a uh, soft shell we'll call it soft shell kind of jacket um that won't absorb won't absorb any moisture of very little so that so that that's a that's often a better way and then you do you have to protect your face and you know probably like a, a buff is still probably the best you know item of kit for that for that job unless you're in some like serious seriously you know bad sort of weather then you then have like two buffs <laughs> so you know but but you know it can it 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 takes like the edge off the wind if the wind's blowing like straight into your straight into your face uh like if you when you're wearing your goggles make sure nothing is um make sure the goggles are all against your skin you don't want any part any material to be going underneath the goggle because it'll it'll just wick the moisture like into the in you know it can wick the moisture into where the goggles are so um so yeah, so you, ideally, if, when when it comes like really stormy, that's where you need uh, your your shell jacket or your belay jacket. Because some people won't have a shell or just be having like some sort of soft shell type top. But you want you want a belay jacket that when you when you put that on, it covers your helmet and ideally it's like covering your covering your face and stuff. Um, uh, don't use lip salve. Um, uh, <laughs> Uh, if you're not, you know, if you've got a beard or a mustache or something that 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 holds a lot more ice, so that can be a pain. So having being clean shaven's like better if you're doing like a long multi-day kind of winter, wintry kind of stuff. Although it does it does actually protect your your face. Um, it does it protects your face well from wind and from the sun as well and and sort of the cold as well. So, um, so the hands. Let's think about the hands. So you it doesn't matter how good your gloves are if you can't feel your hands you know you could have you could be climbing in you know the the thinnest most technical you know give you the the grip of a you know of a well class weightlifter or something but it doesn't matter if your hands are so cold you can't feel them so i i've always been a fan of uh having warm hands in you know like i, I i'm still quite a, a fan of of mittens because nothing is going to be warmer than a mitten no matter how fancy or expensive your your gauntlet kind of gloves are um you know with fingers and stuff like ski style ski style black diamond kind of technical gloves they're um a they they wear really really quickly they're also much more expensive and i you know you, you can't really take your hands in and out of them very easily where for, for me i that's very old school i still prefer um climbing in like mitt in some sort of shelled mitten mitten where you can take your 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 hands out really really quickly like instantly take your hands out fiddle with something if you have to then put your hands back in again and away you go Where when you're trying to fiddle with your big gauntlet gloves that are shoved up somewhere you know they're they're heavy they're bulky uh like mittens don't take up that much space in your when you, you always want to carry some spare mittens and uh, yeah, so I'm I'm a I'm a, a fan of of that kind of style of uh, handwear. Like no matter what kind of climbing, like I find you can actually get away with a thinner mitten than you can a thinner glove. So even on like more technical climbing, like steep climbing, ice climbing, I actually find it easier to be um, you know to to grip the ice axes with with those kind of gloves, unless it's very. Unless it's like super mild, and then if it's super mild, you don't really want to be uh, ice climbing anyway. So, uh, but yeah, a lot of people, it's like, you know, gloves are, are, are you know, but I've, I also tend to find that gloves get trashed really quickly. So I just don't really like, um, I just think it's kind of wasteful to spend like 160 quid on a pair of gloves that you're either going to drop one of them or just going to wear out like very quickly. Depends what you're doing. You know, sometimes just getting really cheap leather gloves. And treating them, you know, like soak them in nitwax and stuff, and put, you know, sort of nitwax on them, uh, is probably a, a better for technical climbing. Uh, there's, a lot, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of you know the um, the rubber kind of fisherman gloves. They're they, they're, they're cheap. They're really cheap, like twenty five quid or something. They're they're really worth what we're playing we're playing around with, and uh, yeah, I think often instead of like trying to trying to spend more money to get something better you might be better just to spend less money <laughs> and find something that's just as good so that that was you know that was i i would recommend that um uh hands yeah what watch wise have a you know always need a watch a uh, watch with an alarm get something that's like you know like it's nice to have a garmin watch and those kind of things but um uh, the, i like I, I i quite like like very thick like really very small watches like a casio like those watches you had when you were a school kid I quite like those kind of watches because they don't get in the way around your around your wrist they're not in, um like often it's quite hard to, to, to pull your pull your uh, jacket back to look at your watch if your watch is too big so a small watch is easier to easier to to look at really and uh, uh although the the Garmin watches are good in that you 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 know the, you can use them to navigate back to somewhere which is you know if you haven't got a GPS having a GPS watch is is kind of uh it's kind of handy but it's always it's always kind of um kind of limited so next you should think about feet so again i'm like i'm old school I i quite like having warm feet so again you could have the most technically advanced boots on the planet but if you got if your feet are like blocks of ice then it's not gonna do you any good so i'm still for winter climbing i'm still a big fan of either um sort of double boots like i i would i would generally wear the same boot. if i was going to climb like in alaska in winter i'd probably wear the same boots like in scotland in winter or ice climbing because you know it's it's all it's all the same it's all the same thing really and just get used to wet climbing in boots which are like probably you know a bit half a kilo too heavy or something um You know, like in the last, you know, climbing in like the greater ranges, you might be, you could be climbing routes that are just as hard as as you would be climbing in Scotland or in Norway or somewhere. But like single, it depends how, like I don't have great circulation in my feet. So maybe that's why. But some people seem to, you know, some people are now using, you know, like single, single, you know, layer, you know, sort of boots, like summer, summer alpine boots, like in winter with like heated socks but you know you you just i wouldn't want to i wouldn't want to put my like you know a multi-day route like i know people i know someone recently who lost all the toes on their foot from um i don't think it was definitely one foot they lost all the toes i think maybe it was both feet lost all the toes from wearing they i think they were actually they were double layer winter boots but they weren't the warmest you could get and also they'd fit them too tight so they're basically taking their, you know, like cragging style idea of what would be a, you know, winter boot. And they're just taking it on like an Alaskan gnarly you know, multi-day climb and they'd end up losing all their toes because of it. So there is, um, you know, like if you're wearing, if you're wearing like, if you want to wear like your single layer boots and you, you feel like they work best for you. Because they are they are easy to climbing, much, they're much lighter and everything else. Then just make sure you like a, you've got a good sort of sock system. Um, like a good thing, to, a good thing to look at. Like if you're not gonna, if you're not gonna, know um, if you're not gonna, if you're gonna, do, if you want to do like a multi, you know, an extended route in like single layer boots, single leather boots, then you, you you really want to look into like vapor barrier socks. 'Cause a lot most of, insul, most of the insulation like, anything that says like thinsulate, that's just bullshit. That's just marketing bullshit. Doesn't make thinsulate is basically just shit. <laughs> Not shit, but it's just nothing to it's nothing really. So, you know, most of the insulation is gonna come from your your uh, your your socks system. So you need a you know, you need a really good like sock system. So on a multi-day route you'd wanna use like a some kind of vapor barrier, some kind of vapor barrier socked. But for like day routes if you've got like a long approach, what you know probably the ideal thing is, is you walk in and you have a spare pair of a spare set of socks, maybe you'll have like an inner sock and an outer sock, but you you know just just change change your socks when you get to the climb, and uh, that, that's probably going to give you much warmer uh, feet really. Now one thing worth looking into is uh, it's, it's, I think it's called a it's basically called, it's like a mesh insole. I think you probably have to look on some sort of Barmy Army website for these. But they're they're made out of plastic. And they're probably a little bit thicker than a standard insole. But they're like a multi, multi-angled multi uh, mesh. What do they call it? A waffle insole. And it's basically made out of hard plastic, which sounds uncomfortable. But what it is, is that it creates like an actual dead air space underneath your foot. So any moisture that would just be... You know, when you you know the, often the tops of your socks can feel quite dry well they won't be dry but they'll they'll look quite dry where the bottoms of your socks because that's actually just pressing against a plastic you know like a non-breathable you know sort of um insole is they can be very very wet and that's where you're going to get a lot of heat losses is, is from that area so the, these uh, they're originally designed i think for jungle for jungles because they allowed the moisture in the sock to kind of um escape into this insole into this cavity and then it would it would drain out somewhere you have drain holes in your shoes or something um but then people started using them in like winter like using them with you know wellington boots and muck looks and those kind of things so you have this uh you just don't get this moisture building up in your socks so that they're they're something they're very cheap they're, you know probably like five or something but they're worth um worth worth looking at good for like good for ski boots if you've got really sweaty feet then that's that's a good, good thing to look into but but yeah but you want to you want like a boot system that you feel confident that you're gonna you know if it's minus 30 or it's minus five if you, you can you walk in you know can you do you know 10 miles in them can you you know can you you know 100 meters in them you know you want you want you want a boot that you feel confident in that that can do can do everything or you want several pairs of boots and just uh you know but you always want to err on the side of caution if you're in like long routes so next thing would be probably gaiters uh having a really good set of gaiters is ideal um because they they kind of shrink down the area around your your uh the bottom of your legs where your crampons are so the gaiters are protecting your protecting you to somewhat your legs from your crampons, which can be, you know, you can get some really nasty crampon injuries. But they're also like stopping things like that are gonna snag on your crampons and trip you over and kill you. Uh Like the some people like the like the shorty gaiters have become quite kind of popular because like mountain guides, you know, wear them and stuff in the summer. But for winter climbing, you really want. I'd really say you want like proper you want proper gaiters. Like if you're doing some italian overhanging limestone you know like root with loads of drilled holes you're going to go up then you can just do it in your lycra lycra leggings you don't need gaiters. but for for normal winter climbing good set of gaiters. Uh, it's quite hard these days to buy really good gaiters. um they're all they're all because people are obsessed with like lightweight it's, it's kind of getting harder to get re- good ones, um, like really good tough ones. I can't, I can't think, can't think of any. Like I had some, um, I had some good ones. They were uh, uh, well, yeah, I used to have some really good ones that were MacPack that were made out of canvas, um, like the same as the MacPack rucksacks. And then I don't know what happened to those. And then I had some uh, Paramore ones which had Kevlar in them, which is which is kind of Kevlar materials expensive, but it is. Kind of indestructible, so it's ideal. So it's yeah, it's kind of it's kind of hard to get really good ones. I think at the moment, um okay, I'm sure probably outdoor research or someone is going to have the best ones. So. But but yeah, but make sure you get something. Like you can either you can either buy expensive gaiters or destroy a pair of expensive trousers. So yeah, so gaiters are a good. They're good for stomping through the snow. They're good for stomp climbing up the route. They're good. For, you know, they give you some. You know. To protect your uh your boots and everything else and uh make sure your your straps are all you know done up and uh everything's kind of ship shaped down there uh what else would you what else next i guess you got your body um like i'm sure i've mentioned this before but it's it's very good if you're doing it if you're stomping in a long way and you're a sweaty bastard then it's always worth carrying a separate you know spare top a spare base layer to put on uh, okay of course I'm always going on about like the brinier kind of mesh underwear. That's that's very good for that kind of thing. You don't need to you don't need to change it because it's um, can't really hold, hold any moisture. So you tend to stay feel a lot drier with that kind of thing on. But if you're just wearing normal base layer, like have a have a base layer you're gonna wear walking in and then just change it when you get there. Uh, if you're woman like carry carry a different sports bra or something, change that like a sport like. Yeah that's a that's like a classic place where you're going to just get really chilled by wearing this this damn player because you're going to be going super fast it's going to be super hot then you can get the you know, classic thing is put you're going to do like 0.5 gully on Ben Nevis. you're going to race up there like a mad person to get to the route before anybody else and you're going to end up behind like 20 people like sweating your butt, bo- sweat your ass off and then you're just going to you know no matter, even if you put your belay jacket on if you have got this damn players underneath you're going to just like you know, chill very quickly. Um, um, yeah, so you you know, walking in, you always want to walk, you always want to set off cold and you just want to kind of, you just want to be not, you don't, you just want to be like not, uh, not too cold. You don't want to be hot and you probably don't want to be warm. You don't want to be a little bit, a little bit less than warm when you're walking in. So, you know, a lot of people are, are going to walk in, in their, uh, they're probably, if they've got say, a Gore-Tex shell, they're going to probably wear that on the bottom. So, you know, if the cut, if you wear like your base layer and your shell over the top of it and you can vent that off, that's going to work um, quite well. If you can avoid wearing your shell, that's even better. So, that's why shell trousers have long zips so you can t- take them on and off. So, you know, if you can get away with it, just walking in without your shell, you know, try and keep your sh- your shell layer off as, until you really need it. Ideally, when you get to the root, then put it on if you if you got it. Um, you know, like windproof tops are ideal. You know, windproof trousers are good if you got them. Like you know, like a pair of Pertex trousers with full-length zips. You wear those instead, yeah. and then uh, you know, Pertex kind of top, wind, windproof top over the top of a base layer. You know, you're gonna if you know you get you get the you've got your BLA jacket or you basically got your your approach clothing on, like your active layer, like going quick, your sporty layer, and then you've got a belay jacket on. And when it's time to go, whip off your belay jacket, shove it in your pack and off you go. And you can adjust and adjust the speed. So you can adjust your temperature by adjusting your speed if you're if you're if you're fit enough. Like if you're a slow knacker and you're you're just gonna be you know, sweaty slow knacker, you probably have to put more clothes on maybe. But you know, you can speed up, slow down to, to try and adjust your your body temperature. And then when you when you get there, like the, it's very important the clothes you wear. Like it, like winter climbing and ice climbing is very, it can be very, very physical. In some ways, it can be more physical than rock climbing. Because often rock climbing is like, is it one-dimensional? Like it's just a flat something, a flat piece of rock with a crack in it or whatever, you're climbing up at it. Where sometimes, um, you know, winter climbing can often be a lot more engaged where you're having to... Sort of do the splits of something or kind of, you know, ride up some piece of snow like a horse or something, or, you know, digging, digging through stuff. Like it's a lot more, it can be a lot more physical than winter, than summer climbing. But also at the same time, you've got all these clothes on. So, A, you want a system where you have got very good flexibility. Um, So that's why a lot of people like, like, Gilet kind of, you know, jackets because they get more flexibility in their arms. And uh, so you want to basically like have a layer that that is going to keep you comfortable when you're moving, and it's not restrictive. And that applies to your your shell your shell layer. Like that's one reason why the kind of soft shell kind of idea is so good in winter time because you don't have this big heavy shell jacket you know that's kind of can often be a little bit constrictive. Um, so you so you you, know, you want like a, a clothing system that's that's good for for moving like being gymnastic so like you know like stretchy you know stretchy bottoms stretchy you know you know things that aren't too heavy um but things aren't too hot uh, either and then you know then as soon as you stop you know the the first thing you should do when you stop is put on your belay jacket and you know try and retain that Uh, ideally it should be like you always want like a dry heat in your body so you want a system where you don't have like a wet heat and you're going to get a wet heat by wearing too many clothes or layers that don't deal with the sweat very well. Or when you, you know, so it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a tricky. Uh, it's a, not an easy thing to 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 do. But the, but the more you, the more you climb, the more you're going to learn how you're going to know what what to, you know, what to put on or to adjust. You know, like so when I, <laughs> you're like Sundays I can. I can be out pushing this pram. <laughs> this is all. This is all I got reference at the moment. You and I might have. Um, so I might have a. Uh, so I might have like a woolly, like a base layer, like a wool base layer top, and then I've got like a, a swan dry top, which is like another wool. I don't know if you have got a swan dry top is. It's like a. Oh, there's like a. It's like a. Is it a bush shirt? A ranger shirt. It's called. It's like a. It's just like a thick you know like itchy wool shirt with like um like a half zip so i might have that on and then i might have like a um what do they call it uh a robie not a robey what's it called it's called a um you know people go swimming and they wear this it's basically like a buffalo jacket but it's like really long it goes past your knees and uh, it's got a full-length zip it's like for some reason it's camouflaged with like pink it's not mine it's my wife's so you know i'll put that on because that's ideal for around here because it's like having a a jacket that goes down past your knees and it's massive so so i've got i've got enough stuff on that i would be you know i could probably climb you know like k2 in winter in it and you know i've got so many clothes on but i just i just adjust my speed pushing this pram so i can you know if i'm getting too hot i'll just like slow down you know it's, it's that kind of it's that kind of ideal or i could just take something off but um Yeah, so the so the clothing is uh, is um, is uh, important, Um, but like you always want to reverse things. Though you want to focus more on your base layer, you know, and then 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 a little bit less on your mid layers, and then even less on your outer layers. Like you know the you know your base layer is is where where a lot of the comfort action is going on, and the other layers are kind of less you know kind of less important. um what else gear like when you're you're for winter climbing you really want like for rock climbing you can you can get away with just clipping anything on your harness wherever you want and you generally can you know you'll start with it like perfectly racked and then you'll just you'll just just bang it anywhere as you're climbing up but winter climbing you need to have a like an absolutely rock solid system because generally you're going to end up in a position where you know you you've got you know you can't get let go of it with your right hand and your ice screw is on your right hand side and you can't you you can't reach around because your rucksacks in the way and blah 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 so you want like a really good system that uh, allows you to to get at the gear you need when you need it and your rack and you know, your rack can sometimes you might have like 16 ice screws and other times you might have 16 ice screws and a whole rack of big wall rack of gear like double sets of nuts blah 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 and you can have like you know winter climbing you can just have these like massive racks of gear uh like i am a I am a f- still a fan of like the bandoliers an about two bandoliers or two slings and when and the, if the route's like not that ver- if the route is like not very steep you don't want bandoliers because all the gear will just like hang down in front of your feet when you're climbing and you can't see your feet which is a which is a dangerous and a pain um and if you but if you're on a route that's not super steep and you don't need that much gear you can get away with like half a set of wires you know some slings whatever um and as it gets more vertical and you start needing like more gear probably when it gets overhanging you need less gear cuz it's probably got bolts in it or something so you know you need a you need like a, a way of being able to look down and s- ideally see the majority of your rack, the, the rack you might need. So if you've got, say, it's like a chest, like I've, I've often worn like a chest harness, like a big wall kind of chest harness, because I quite like being able to have all the all the gear like in front of me almost, so I can see where it is. And I've also tried the system where you put your, your eye screws across the front of your body, a bit like, uh, you know, like, Vietnamese soldier kind of ammo pouches on your chest, like a chest sling. I actually quite like that for ice climbing because you know you're trying, you're not trying to reach behind you blindly to 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 get this ice screw off. And often you'll like the the ice clipper clips are great, the plastic ones for unclipping them off. But you know you're it's ideally you want to be able to see where they are because otherwise they're very easy to to end up knocking one off or you know like the ice ice screws do seem to get dropped quite easily so yes i quite like those like the tube system i don't know if gravel even make that anymore but i kind of took the the gravel tubes and i kind of sewed them sewed them onto something so i could attach them to across the front of my chest which is probably probably looks a bit weird but i can't i kind of quite liked it um and uh things have got a lot easier since you now have like loose leashless ice axes like ice climbing and Mixed climbing is like way 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 easier. Now you don't have to deal with like like leashes attached to your wrist and stuff. So it makes it easier to to get gear and everything else. But even so, you want like a really like you're always want developing your developing a system. Um, like maybe you've got two sets of wires. You don't need both sets of wires where you can see them. Like one set of wire wires can be around the back. Um, uh, like always, one one reason for lifting your your gear up high on your body. Is that there's a bigger chance of you catching your gear on your crampons. So if you if you're like squatting down in some weird position on the route, and it's quite easy for your a nut or something to get caught on your crampon and then you kind of get stuck in this squat position. But you um, you know everything needs to be squared away, everything needs to be tidy, and nothing needs to be nothing wants to be hanging down too far. Now the biggest culprit of that is probably like your mittens. Uh, or your or your prusik loops, which you're going to catch on your crampons when you're when you're in a funny like squat position. So a, a squat position is like imagine you're ice climbing and you get like a a boss of ice. You can often like sort of kind of squat on it and then you can have a you can have you can have a, like a little rest or something. But then if you try and stand up and your your mitts are now attached to the the bungee on your mitts are now attached to your crampons, you you know <laughs> it can be, can be comical. Um, yes, yeah, so if you if you are carrying mitts on your harness, uh, ideally you are, you always ideally you want to have all that kind of stuff like in a bag, in a little rucksack or something, uh, like a little cragging rucksack or something. Like the leader can have a small rucksack and the second can have you know have a slightly bigger rucksack. But um, if you are going to have it on your on your harness, your mittens, make sure your mittens are completely sealed when they're on your harness because it's very easy for them to literally be. You got to get them because your hands are falling off, and they're literally full to the top with ice because because you left them open. But you also want an attachment point which 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 has them as high as possible on your harness. You don't we don't want to attach them to like a tab on the on the on the cuff of the mitt because then the mitt's going to hang like a foot down below your harness level, which is going to catch on things. You want you want them um, you want to have a, a way of carrying them wet so they're kind of higher up than normal it might it might go up and then fold in half and then that's what, where you're clipping them on your harness now some people carry like a little belay, they carry the belay jacket on a on a pouch on the on the back of their harness so it's um you know I, that's a, it's often worth like looking into is it better to have like a like a bum bag or something uh, or even like a big chalk bag and try and you know that that kind of system something that's actually robust and you can move it around because if you've got like a a bum bag or a choke bag kind of system is then if you're like going to a chimney, you can whip the thing to the side which has got your mitts and your, you know that that kind of that kind of thing. I think there's like there's a lot of you can you can you can you can overthink these things, but they're uh, I think there are probably better ways than having yeah I've seen, I've seen people climbing and they've got like their 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 jacket in some you know like you know 10 liter stuff sack and it's just hanging around down. Down the back of their, you know, it's like hanging around near their near their uh, knees or something. You know, they're climbing up like they've got like their hemorrhoids or something. So it's it's good to just keep all that sort of keep all that sort of tidy around there. Um, uh, uh, in your, I guess, in your bag, just always make sure, like you know, this thing I often say, like if you're in the if you're in a hot country, if you're in the desert, if you're in a hot climb, you always have to finish with water. And the same for winter climbing is the same applies to food. Like, eh, yeah, have some water, but you need to have... You always need to finish the day with food left over. And ideally, you want food that's, you know, so disgusting you're not going to eat it. So, you know, you always want to have, like, some bars, you know, power, power bars, something you don't really like that much, like, in your bag if if you really need it. Um, you know, because you do need to fuel yourself out. If, you know, if things get bad... Like, it was it this... Like a military, a military ration for like winter. So I think in the Second World War it was like four thousand calories. Uh, what you'd you know what a, what a soldier was given most of it was probably sugar or something. And I think it's probably I think I don't, I don't, I'm not sure what it is actually now, but but it's but how much how much a soldier is is should have a day if you compare that to what a winter climber general winter climber would have. A winter climber is going to have a lot less probably. And you know, so you 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 don't ignore like the your hydration, but, all, but mainly your food. You know, when you get to the top of the climb, if you've just got one, you know, one piece of, you know, one little, you know, sn- Snickers bar, that's probably not enough. You know, like if if things get difficult and you end up, you know, you think you can be down at ten o'clock at night and you're back at you know, ten o'clock in the morning. Like these things, these things happen, so you need to be able to fuel yourself uh to get to the end of the thing uh always always invest in a very the best map case you can find like probably probably like an utterly one make sure it's got it can be easily attached to things uh you make like i'd actually make sure it's got like a good attachment system so if you're taking it out it can clip into something because very easy for your map to get lost um make sure you have like your pay all your pacing information like Tape that on the inside of your map case, and practice it. Practice pacing, and um, and all that kind of malarkey. I like don't just try and wing it when you're on the top of Ben Nevis, trying to wing your way down, and learning how to map read on. You know when there's big drops around. So those, those are like good skills to develop. Like on when the weather's bad in the summertime or something, or after work navigate get home. <laughs> um, yeah, that's that's like you don't really carry like often when you get to the when you get to the, a climb winter climb once you take all your gear out your your bag is kind of empty you know you, you'll have your your belay jacket in there and your spare mitts and stuff but often there's not a lot kind of left over so it's you know it's actually a lot easier than you know for your to for you know the leader not to have a bag and you know you, the, the second carries both rucksacks just put the other rucksack in the other rucksack so then you need to just you just need like a good you just, you just need to have a you know you want to be like unencumbered as possible when you're when you're climbing, because well especially ice climbing is probably as serious a thing as you're ever going to do. Although you can probably get an ice screw in wherever you are, you know it's probably that you know it's it's very hard. You know you know if you want them, you know if you don't if it's if it's so e- if it's easy enough that you can place them easily, then you probably don't want to want them. And if you do want them. It's probably too hard and you can't you can't get them in because you're just hanging on for dear life so um you know feeling feeling like very like you're gymnastic and you're flexible and you can get your you know you can do the splits and you get your your legs up high you know it's very important and to look to look down and be able to see your feet and um you know it's very it's a it's a really winter climbing is a super serious game like recently i think someone got killed on ben nevis recently going through the the cornice. Like I would advise anyone here who's getting into winter climbing is stay away from couloirs and gullies and all that shit. Like just leave that to skiers. Like, you know, just get onto the, just go climbing. Don't go like wandering up big death shoots of death. You know, like get in, go climbing, go get on the buttresses, get where the belays are, get where the, there's no cornices. Just avoid, you know, like treat snow, like radioactive dog shit, basically. Like just stay away from that kind of stuff. Like get on the, the ice and um you know and also be always be prepared to not go climbing you know like you know have a look what other things you could do if the weather's too bad you know find other you know use that day for just go go hill walking you know go and top rope some some crag in your ice tools or whatever as long as you're allowed to you know just just have some alternative plans of what to do and uh you know it's a long it's a yeah, there's a, there's a lot of ways to kill yourself. There's a lot of ways to injure yourself. There's a lot of way to like drag other people in mountain rescue teams and all those people into your into your fool kind of dramas. So um, you know, it's a serious it's a serious business. It is great fun though. It's probably one of the most fun things you ever you ever do because it's just a, it's just a, you know it's, it's kind of great. So um, so yeah, I think my son's probably going to be waking up in a minute now. So I shall I shall leave that there, and I I do promise I will try and get back into this whole podcasting malarkey like this child is like isla is now two uh two months old so hopefully i might start returning to having a a life again soon so um so yeah until next time um stay safe